Buongiorno a tutti. Benvenuto to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. Tutte cose italiano. No, tutte cose italiani. <laughs> Even I make mistakes <laughs> a lot, really. <laughs> anyway, my name is Kimberly Holcomb, and I am here with Tommaso. Buongiorno, Belladonna. Buongiorno. Bravo. <laughs> okay, we left you with the last village of the Amalfi Coast in episode 50. Today, we are at Cinquantuno, episode 51. And this is on the village, or I should say, city of Salerno. They call it a city, but you know what? In the Western world, to us, a city is like, you know, a couple million people and high rises. But however, Salerno is technically a city. Yes, it is. And it's one of the, it, it is the 13th biggest port in Italy. That's an interesting fact. Right. I, I took a look at it. I just trying to get some scale on the size of it. It's about the same size port as Boston. Wow. I mean, I've been there a lot. It doesn't seem as big as the port doesn't seem as big as Boston, but the traffic, shipping traffic probably is. Well, yeah, that's what they define it as gross tonnage. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Well, and anyway. just a quick okay. side, sometimes in the morning we get woken up by Yes. Passing car ferries. Sometimes, all the time. Even though, particularly when it's foggy and they're blowing their tutor all the way up the uh, East Passage. Um, I was looking at a photo of Salerno yesterday and I saw Grimaldi lines. So we yes. have something. Because <laughs> Grimaldi go, lines The Grimaldi us. lines wake us up yes. at like 2, 4, <laughs> and 5 a.m. Almost daily. So who no, knew no, the Grimaldi no, about lines? 5 a.m. Yeah. Anyway. Seems like all night. But anyway, so Salerno is technically a city, unlike the villages that we had been discussing in the Amalfi Coast. And it's also more of a lived-in feel as opposed to those villages. It's less of a tourist destination as opposed to Italians living and working there. It's smaller than Napoli for sure, but it has a lot going on for a small city. It has the same long and amazing history as the rest of Italy, but it became a Roman colony in 197 well, give, AD. Give or take a couple of hundred yeah, years. Yeah, but I knows. mean, there's that. That's pretty old. There's right? that. <laughs> anyway, the main thing about Salerno is it's a major transportation hub, just as Tom mentioned with the port. But it's also the main train stop for all trains going north and south. And there's still a long distance south below Salerno to get down toward Sicily. So it's the main transportation hub for that. And you can also take ferries in the long summer season from Salerno to Amalfi, Positano, and Capri. Sardinia? Uh, not sure about that. Probably more up north. That goes up from Genova and everywhere like that. Right, yeah. Chitavec, yeah. Yes. So I'm not sure, but maybe. Okay. And the other little transportation situation in Salerno is that you can take a bus from there to the airport in Napoli, which is a very good option. Sometimes you have too much luggage. If you took a boat to Napoli and then had to get from there to the train or the airport. So the bus direct from Salerno is a very good option. How long does that bus ride take? Probably a couple hours. You know, those long, curvy, those long, windy, curvy, windy roads. roads. Up and over the hill most of the time. Yes. So, See. 
Anyway, the last time I was there, I took one of my guests to Salerno because everyone else in our small group went to Pompeii for a private tour to see, you know, basically the oldest thing in all of Italy. And instead, I took Stefano to see the polar opposite, the newest thing in that part of Italy. And that was the new ferry terminal in Salerno. And it was designed by Zaha Hadid, who is a British Iraqi architect. And sadly, she died in 2016. So she didn't see it finished. But it's like the rest of her work. It's so distinct. It's so freeform, amazing. It's like organic metal. Yes, I, I love her work. So it was one of her last main designs. That along with, funny enough, both down in Campania, the new... Napoli Cappadocia train station that I mentioned earlier. So she had two major builds, the last pieces, last designs of her life that were, that are now in Campania. So I went with Stefano on a boat, like the small local boat from Amalfi, where we were staying to Salerno. And it took a couple hours and we loved it because it stopped in those little villages we spoke about, Cetara, Minori, minori, vietri sul mare. And then as we came into the port of Salerno, you see it on the left from afar. And especially for an architect like Stefano, who just is a modernist, he loves everything modern. He was basically speechless sitting on our little boat outside because from afar, it looks like her vision of an oyster shape, but she was combining the sea and the mountains and everything, but even its color was grayish. Poured concrete that was all smooth, like not a hard edge in sight. So the gray color of the concrete and the entire roof, which is completely clad in these like custom-made slabs of crystallized stoneware. So it shimmered in the sun. Not unlike the inside of an oyster shell. Exactly. I was just going to say like, When you see a mussel shell on the beach and you turn it over and look inside, it's that iridescent purpley blue or an an oyster shell and a pearl shell. Remember down in the, in the French, in French Polynesia, those pearl shells. Right, right. So we were staring at this undulating roof with shining, shimmering off these custom tiles. It was awesome. And it really did look marine like, and yet it's a ferry terminal on this big, long dock in a very busy port. So just even from the boat, we were blown away. Then we went inside and it had just opened and there were like staff members working in there, but no passengers, no, no people. So we asked if we could see it. And so I actually said in Italian, he's a modern architect from Los Angeles. And they're like, oh, entra, benvenuti. (laughs) (laughs) I should have said he's famoso. (laughs) He's famoso to us. But anyway, so we spent over an hour. We walked in every nook and cranny, all of it soft and round and curved and little vertical strips of windows in open, big spaces. It was awesome. And we were so lucky to come completely be alone in there. I took my big camera. I took a million photos. He was in heaven. It was just fantastic. We also went outside and walked around the whole perimeter. And part of it 
cantilevers out, the western part of the building cantilevers out over the dock, and it has this circular rim of light that lights up when it gets dark. So the ferry terminal itself, because of her design, also functions as the lighthouse for that end of the dock. It was very cool. So we're standing under there taking all these pictures. It was just awesome. We walked back in to thank the people for letting us basically have it to ourselves. And one of them said, well, we're glad you were here when you are because this new terminal is going to become very busy with cruise ships. So I'm just throwing that out there because I have not been back since. I don't know if that means that there's a lot of day trippers, but who knows? They built it because it's a busy port also for shipping But if you are a fan of modern architecture, you should see this. So when we left, Stefano and I decided to walk into the Centro Storico, the historic center. And it was just like a five, seven minute walk away. And all of a sudden we were walking through this courtyard of like a Moorish monastery with palm trees and that, you know, red terracotta tiled roof. And we both looked at each other and we're like, wow, (laughs) In five minutes, seven minutes tops, we walked from Zaha Hadid's modernist gem into another gem from centuries earlier. So that's the beauty of a place like Salerno, I think. Any old historic city in any country that you can have one piece new, one piece old. Such a major contrast. Right? It was awesome. So I've been to Salerno several times over the years, but each time I've go, like this time with Stefano, there's just more to see because it's larger than these Amalfi Coast villages. So you can get lost a little bit and just meander. But, And I also think it gives you a chance to get away from the tourists. The tourists. Yes, without a doubt. You know, and just enjoy Italy as a day-to-day, just walk around and enjoy day-to-day life in Italy. Right. So if you stay in Salerno at night, you can see firsthand their nightlife, which is different than the passeggiata that I've described before, which is where Italians, wherever they live in a village, in a city, they go to their main little piazza after work, before dinner, and they have their passeggiata, which just means a passage. And you walk around, you pick up your friends at their apartment, maybe, and you walk into the main piazza, you chat, 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 gab, you have a drink or Maybe in an aperitivo, you sit down, you stand up, but that is a ritual, Hmm. mostly on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, passeggiata. And then you have dinner. You either go back home or you go to a restaurant, but that is the nightlife kind of in most smaller villages. In Salerno, because it's probably warmer, longer, lighter, longer, they have their own version. It's called the movida, which stems from, you know, the word movement. The difference is the Movida starts at night, like after dinner, 10, 11 o'clock. It goes to 1, 2 a.m. And it's a little bit more lively. There's some music. They gather at the Piazza Largo Campo and or the town hall. Those are the two main places you stroll around, you have a drink, you meet up with friends, you chat, 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 music plays. And it's just kind of like Napoli. I walked in Napoli with the same group of people, Stefano and a couple other, till 2 a.m. in Napoli, just vibrant, loud, buzzing. It's fun. And you know what? It's just a different mindset 
from America, our idea of a lively night is a big, huge party indoors or at a club in our younger days. I would still go in a nightclub in a second right now, but you know, it's a different concept. It's less expensive. You just walk around and you enjoy it's a the conversation. Cul- it's with a different friend. culture. It's a different culture. Yes. But anyway, so Movida is the thing to do if you're staying in Salerno. And Salerno is also awesome because you can walk to so many places, even though it's a city, it's condensed and the mountains are right behind it. So it's, you know, kind of corralled in by the port. So there is a beautiful place to walk and it's called the Giardino Minerva, the Minerva Gardens. And it's on the site of what was supposedly the first school of medicine in Europe. However, I will say a lot of countries claim to have had the first school of medicine or the first art school, the first, you know, music academy, whatever. But the people from Salerno are claiming the title that it's the oldest school of medicine, not just in Europe, but in the world. Well, I tell you one thing. Well, we've got a first here. The first Italian podcast broadcast from Jamestown, Rhode Island. (laughs) Historic. We've got it. Anyway, in the 1700s, a physician named Matteo Silvatico created a garden on the grounds of the school, and it included all these botanicals that they used in treatments and studied as a use for treatment, kind of like South American cultures where they used herbal remedies. Homeopathic. Exactly. So they were ahead of their time as well. Now it has five tiers of gardens filled with hundreds of species of botanicals. And of course, because of the tradition down there in the Amalfi Coast, all the ceramics and tiles, including a fountain that has that half shell shape. You recognize it from photos. It's quite famous in the garden setting. It's just beautiful. If you feel like a more adventurous walk, you can go up to the Arecchi Castello, Castello Arecchi. The castle that was built by Prince Arecchi, the Duke of Ben Benevento. So if you translate Benevento, Bene's good, Vento's wind. The Duke of Good Wind. Okay. <laughs> I think that's an awesome name. Well, it's also a thousand feet above sea level. Yes, it and is. And that's going to give you a workout to work off the pasta. Well, I will say... Not to mention Challenger quads and calves. Right. I will say that when I was there the first time... I've only been there once, and it was the first time I was in Campania. We took a taxi because we were on that photo shoot. And we're like, let's go. But because you could see it from afar. Right. And we had been shooting in Salerno. We stayed in Salerno. So we saw it and we're like, let's take a taxi. And we had models. They can't risk, you know, like damaging their ankles or something. Hmm. So I did a little research before... This podcast, I didn't want to recommend it if I shouldn't. And the majority of the people's statements was, it was such a workout. It was a little confusing. I was so sweaty. In the end, I wish we took a taxi. Okay. Well, you know, you can go in the off season too, when you're not going to sweat to death and you can get a little workout. I'm, I'm a big fan of walk off that pasta because it means I can have more pasta. <laughs> the oldest part of the castle is also in question. Some say the third century, some say the seventh century, but it was built as a fortress and, you know, the living space for the Duke. And it was later taken over as everything happened in most of Italy and Europe, taken over by the Normans, the Aragonese, and they all added to it doing their different renos. Each of them has their own 
you know, statement. Yeah, style, yeah. Right? But we did walk through there, all of us from that photo shoot group, and they have collections of all the various arms, what do you call fighting material before arms, like bows and arrows? And, well, they're arms. Okay. All right. Doesn't matter. Okay. And coins and ceramics and everything else that they found within the castle over the centuries. And we were walking through and it was very long. We kept speaking about, this is like so many tiers and lengths and different rooms. And we all kept thinking, it's so dark. Obviously, it was a fortress, so there weren't many windows, not much light. And even though it's warm down there, the majority of the year is all stone. So we thought, oh, the winter months must be cold and dark and you're way up, almost a thousand feet above sea level. So then we talked about the staff of the Duke having to get down to town to get whatever they need. It was probably a hard life in those days for castle living, but the view from the top is so commanding. You see the entire port, the mountains, the Amalfi Coast, all the little villages. It's remarkably beautiful. So highly worth that walk as well, or the visit to the Castello Arecchi. When you go into the Centro Storico in Salerno, just walking around as one does, I have to say that I think it's very well preserved. It's like other Centro Storicos, but in this case, Salerno was heavily damaged during World War II, correct? Tomaso? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I mean, being the transportation hub that it has been for centuries, True. there's only so many places on Southern Italy to land a critical mass of forces to get the Germans to start moving up back toward the North. And the allies, which the Americans, the majority, the Brits and the Canadians landed in Salerno. But be- first... Well, there was a couple different things. This was Operation Avalanche. Oh. <laughs> and uh, they, Montgomery landed down by the heel, the British General Montgomery. And he had a hard battle all the way up because just like we talk about these roads and buses, mm. imagine when there's 20 burnt out tanks along there or something else. But the Allies offshore in their ships put 11,000 tons of munitions bombs and artillery on the shore because the Germans were heavily embedded. And, you know, when you landed on the shoreline, there was no place to go, but in a little bit and then up. Hmm. So you had to make sure you softened up that battlefield so that the people coming ashore wouldn't get, you know, massacred. And that damaged the town a lot, but it was very helpful in, in landing. The other thing about that battle is that the day before the landing, Eisenhower announced that the Italians had surrendered unconditionally. He sort of preempted what was going to be later in the month when they would announce it and have a, on a battleship, have a basically a real surrender. Oh, okay. But he's trying okay. to soften up the Germans a little bit psychologically. It was very important. Oh, because, little mind game. Yeah, little mind game, but it was very important. That was the first time the Allies stepped foot in continental Europe. Oh, okay. So that's the biggest statement right there. Yeah. Okay. This was after throwing the Germans and out of North that Africa. That is why I bet the mayor of the time, maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago, in Salerno, dedicated a museum just to this event, correct? Yes, that, that's correct. But also, right after that, the king of Italy moved to Salerno from Rome in 1943. And that became essentially the seat of government for, for a certain amount of time. 
Wow. So it was very important. Everything happened in Salerno, 1943, 44, 45. A lot lot started there, that's for sure. Okay. Well, anyway, in the Centro Storico that I assume has been, you know, renovated since the World War II to look like it did prior to the damage, it's absolutely beautiful. And I was walking with Stefano after we went through that Moorish courtyard and stuff, and we were a little hungry. And when you're in Italy... And you're hungry for lunch. You keep thinking like, I know the lunch can be amazing, right? So when you're in Italy walking in an old place, beautiful like this, you're like, oh yeah, I want a really good lunch. So for whatever reason, the day we were there, I can't remember the day of the week, but most of the places were closed for lunch. So I went into some stores and I asked politely in Italian, can you recommend a little place that might be open for lunch? And they did. They were very nice. And each place we went to following their directions, was Cuso. Closed. Yes. So we finally decided that, okay, let's just go back to the main area down by the port where there will be more restaurants open for the tourists, et cetera. So we just took a random right. And then it was like a serendipitous, perfect moment. Both of us see at the same time these four little tables in this teeny little courtyard and Three of the tables were occupied by Italians, very well-dressed, so like they were business people having lunch. And there was one table available. I run in, not that I saw anyone else, but I didn't want to lose this opportunity. I ran in and asked if we could sit there. And they're like, certo, of course. So we sat down. And then, because prior to that, Stefano was getting crabby and like... A little hangry? Yes, totally hangry. And so we sat down and he, this huge smile came over his face. How about a bottle of wine? It's like, <laughs> okay, I'm not driving. I was, we were taking a boat back. So we had a bottle of white wine and the, the restaurant was housed in what probably had been like a mini tower. It was that exact kind of type of shape, but only like two, three stories. And this teeny courtyard just had these stone buildings, hardly any windows. So maybe it had been part, you know, centuries ago of some kind of fortress place. So we sat in this little courtyard under these kind of sail umbrellas stretched from building to building. And we had the most perfect lunch. I just had a plain spaghetti con pomodoro and basilico, just little tomatoes and basil. He had a pasta, the spaghetti linguine con vongole, the clams. Little clams. And we had this bottle of wine and we were like at the end thinking, Damn, that was pretty perfect, right? <laughs> Wonder what everyone else had in Pompeii, which is very busy. Right. You know, your options there would be much more commercial and touristy. Sure. So we were so happy. And before we left, we walked through another part of the Centro Storico to get back to the port to take the boat back to Amalfi. And we came upon another similar rectangularly shaped courtyard like what we just ate in. It was definitely not around Piazza. And it was teeny. And all of a sudden this door to a minuscule church opened and these gentlemen carried a coffin out of this church. And then right behind them came all the people that had been inside for the service. And one woman started singing, but it was a beautiful kind of joyous song. And with that, everyone else started singing and the men didn't put the coffin down. They just held it and everyone was singing. And I thought, what a 
beautiful send off and what the, a way to go and the the sound of their voices echoed up through this courtyard wall and Stefano and I were like this is awesome but then they just didn't stop singing like it was song after song and we couldn't get through so we went in reverse went back the other way and came across this teeny little quote unquote street like walking sidewalk where maybe four people shoulder to shoulder could fit and Stefano's been all over Italy. They travel quite a bit. But this was one of those super unique little passageways. And it was a stunning day and it was windy. So a nice breeze and everyone had their laundry out. And when it's a narrow sidewalk street like that, you string your clothesline from your window to the neighbor's window across the the side. The building, not necessarily the window. From your window. Oh. Is that's how you get your laundry from your window. So from your window, you have the frame that holds the line and it goes across to the other side and you have like the three or four lines on the right and they, and there's a pulley system. Yes. Yes. And then they have theirs on their right. Right. So Stefano and I were walking after we had our lovely lunch and witnessed the little happy funeral and we're walking and all of a sudden he sped up. I was like, what are you doing? He goes, I just want this little visual. So he walked really fast with his head aiming straight up, looking under all the laundry and it smelled fresh. They have nicer scents in their detergents than they than we do here. And he just kind of ran under this little street and it was, it's embedded in my brain, the visual of watch, watching this grown man, an American man. Famous American really architect. Fast, famous American architect <laughs> looking up at everyone's laundry. It was awesome. So Salerno, I really, really do enjoy. And like I mentioned at the beginning, it's more of a lived in vibe. And that's what we saw right there in the laundry. Right. And I think everyone should, if you're going to do the greatest hits of Italy, at least take a day or two outside of Florence, outside of Venice, outside of Rome to go and experience Italy outside of the, all the monuments and everything else, which are beautiful, but you don't really get a feel for the average day in Italy. Exactly. However, speaking of getting out, I mean, this is a top 10 place for Italy, but I don't think as many people go. And I definitely recommend a day trip from Salerno. Say that you go to Salerno and stay and find that same little lunch spot and have a great time. I highly recommend taking a day trip, very worthwhile from Salerno. And I'm sure most of you have heard of the Greek city of Paestum. It's about an hour away by car. You know of it, I'm sure of it, from everyone's history class, right? You've heard yes. of Paestum, yes. but that is how it is pronounced now. Magna Graecia was what the Greeks just claimed on that part of the Tyranian coast as their own. Right. So they built the city, which they called Poseidonia for like Poseidon. But like everything else in life there... It was eventually conquered by the Romans and they gave it the current name of Paestum. And Paese is like country. So Paestum, most English speaking people just refer to it as Pestum, which sounds like pesto. (laughs) (laughs) You could probably fool someone. Right. Where was pesto found? Uh, Where's pesto created? Down in uh, Campania. Down in Pestum. Anyway, so I went there on that same first trip. After the models and client left, because we finished up in Salerno, so I went with just the makeup artist friend of mine, and we went to Paestum because 
I had never been to Greece. And sadly, I still have never been to Greece. So I was completely, completely in awe. And I remember it was this stunning day, blue, blue sky. And to be able to see these temples with the sunshine on them and that deep blue behind, it was truly intense. So the story behind that is there's three Doric temples that remain from the original city from 500 BC. And they're all in very good conditions. And I remember speaking about that with whomever else we were with, like someone explaining everything who had been to Greece saying, oh, this is so much more well-preserved than those temples in Greece. And I think it's primarily because there's no congestion down there. There's no pollution down in the coast of Campania like the city of Athens. Right. So all the years of cars with diesel gas and, you know, all that pollution probably eroded it faster. So Pestum is in pretty good shape. And taking into consideration the summer heat and the sun and the sea air, I was I was in awe. But the three Doric temples are in this order. The oldest one is called Hera built 550 BC. The Temple of Athena was built around 500 BC, and it's a mix of both Doric and Ionic. And this temple was later used as a church since they found a few Christian tombs, um, you know, as the Italians do, like in all main Duomos in every city. They bury someone in there. Yeah, but the top plate of marble is has inscribed, inscribed. who's below. And I always think that's so cool, like, did that person have any idea that millions and millions of feet are going to walk over him over the centuries? Probably not. Right? They probably thought it was a place of honor, but little did they know that in the year 2020, people are still walking over them. Anyway, so that middle temple of Athena definitely became a Christian church from the results of finding these tombs. And then the baby of the temples is Neptune from 450 BC. And this is the most complete of all three of them. Basically, it's intact except for the roof because, you know, those stone roofs are the first thing to go after a couple thousand years, right? <laughs> I don't think there's a single roof of any temple that exists No, from BC. No. I'm not sure. Finally, in the middle of the temple and the entire site are the ruins of a Roman forum. Just like what we saw in Rome, Tommaso, that you were gobsmacked by. Mm -hmm. These are a little more rundown and whatnot because I believe it's a bit older. But they were, you know, the same foundations for public buildings, private gathering spaces, competitions, etc. But going to Paestum, I think, is so worth it, especially to people who have not been to Egypt or Greece. It was just mind-blowing to me. Highly recommend it. Paestum it is. It is. In summary, Salerno is an excellent option, in my opinion, to visit an Italian city that's lived in, like, as I mentioned before, and we just discussed it. You get the real feel and vibe for Italian life down in that part of the country, which is different with the sun and the warmer Mediterranean client and the colors and the vibrancy and the more year-round kind of feel. And I'm not putting the Amalfi Coast villages down in any way. No, there are you must. There are must see. Right, but as I described, and basically the 
five previous episodes of the Amalfi Coast, it makes me happy. That was my adjective for all of the Amalfi Coast. But this part at the very bottom of the Amalfi Coast is is more of the real deal to get a feel for how Italians live today and how they did live. So highly recommend it. So for some people who might think Napoli would be a little bit too big and crazy for Very them, good point. would Salerno be a good yes. place to go? Excellent idea. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. And now that you bring that up, you can fly into Napoli and take a direct train to Salerno. To Salerno. That's very easy. So there you go. Okay. Good. Buon idea, Tommaso. All right. I'd like to sign off by... Thanking someone, I have to do a huge shout out to the family of Mauricio from Mexico. He sent me several messages prior to their three-week trip and asked me questions like, you keep talking about driving. I think I want to drive. Should we do it? I said, see. So they did. And he had his wife and three children listen to the podcast. And they sent pictures of them in Venice, in Tuscany, everywhere they went. And I would wake up and see a private message on my Instagram. And there they are all smiling. It was such a treat to see those photos and have them, (laughs) Mauricio said, and here's one from Venice. And my children say, ciao, Kimberly. (laughs) It was so, so nice. So, muchas gracias, Mauricio. E familia. familia. Also, we had a few new reviews this week. Thank you very much to all of you. And finally, finally, I keep saying finally, but here we go. Finalmente. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It really helps us grow our audience. And we see messages of all types and appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. Okay. Grazie mille tutti e basta. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao tutti. Buona giornata. (laughs) Ciao.